Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. Well, it is Easter, and so it's no surprise that we are focusing our attention on the resurrection. I read a story this past week that's a little humorous, but I think communicates an important truth. The Easter story is nothing but a myth, John's high school teacher announced to his class a few days before they were to go on Easter break. Jesus not only did not rise from the grave, he continued, but there is no God in heaven who would allow his son to be crucified in the first place. Sir, I believe in God, John protested, and I believe in the resurrection. The teacher responded, you can believe whatever you want, but of course, that doesn't necessarily make it true. The real world excludes the possibility of miracles like the resurrection. The resurrection is a scientific impossibility. No one who believes in miracles can also respect science. Then the teacher proposed an experiment. Reaching into his refrigerator, he brought out a raw egg. He held it up. He said, I'm going to drop this egg to the floor. Gravity will pull it to the floor, and the egg will most certainly break apart. Now, looking at John with a challenge, he said, John, I want you to pray a prayer right now and ask your God to keep this egg from breaking when it hits the floor. If he can do that, then you'll have proven your point, and I will have to admit that there is a God. After pondering the challenge for a moment, John slowly stood up to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that when my teacher drops the egg, it will break into a hundred pieces. Also, Lord, I pray that when the egg does break, my teacher will have a heart attack. (laughs) Amen. After the prayer, the teacher stood there holding the egg, looking at the egg, looking at John. He turned around, walked over to the refrigerator, put it back in and said, class dismissed. Evidently, he did believe in God a little bit more maybe than he even thought. Well, this morning, as I mentioned, we're we're focusing on the resurrection. And one of the things that's interesting when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is they each have an account of the resurrection, but from a little different perspective. And so you kind of gain insights from reading each of the Gospels. When you come to the account of the resurrection in Matthew... One thing that becomes clear as you read all the way through this last chapter in Matthew is the different responses to the resurrection or the responses to the news of the resurrection. We start reading in verse 1 all the way through the end of the chapter. You see different kinds of responses. And as I was thinking about those different responses that we see in Matthew 28, it kind of dawned on me that the responses that we see in Matthew chapter 28 are the exact same responses that people have today. They're no different. The way people responded to the news of the resurrection in Matthew 28 is the exact same way people respond to the news of the resurrection today. And so as we go through these, here's my challenge. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you up front. I want you to determine, listen, think about this and determine when you came in this morning, what was your response to the resurrection? Because I guarantee you, as we go through these, your response will be seen somewhere in Matthew chapter 28. In some way, in the way these biblical characters responded to the resurrection, in some way you are responding in one of those ways this morning. And so the challenge very simply is to determine how are you responding to the resurrection? How are you responding to the news of the resurrection? How are you responding to the biblical account of the resurrection? 
If you have your bulletin on the very back, you'll notice an outline. I want to give you eight responses to the resurrection from Matthew chapter 28. We're going to go through these pretty quickly. My goal is not to keep you long this morning, but I want to go through these and help you understand how they responded and perhaps how people around you in your neighborhood where you work are also responding. I want to begin reading in Matthew 28 verse 1. We read it a few moments ago, but let me read it again. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Let's pause right there. Why were they going to the tomb? I mean, they had heard the teachings of Christ and they had heard everything about Christ. Why were they going to the tomb? Well, when you read the other accounts of the resurrection and the other gospels, you learn that they were going to take spices and perfumes to anoint the body in the tomb. This was a ceremonial. This was a common practice. And this was a sign of respect, a sign of love, a sign of compassion. This was a sign of genuineness. But this is where we see the first truth this morning. Number one, the one response to the resurrection is a love for Jesus but a lack of faith in who he is. A love for Jesus, but a lack of faith in who he is. I mean, think about it. These women had been with Christ. They had seen his miracles. Perhaps they saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Maybe they saw him turn water into wine. Maybe they saw him heal the blind man or the sick. They had seen all these miracles. They had heard the teachings of Christ. They had been taught by Christ. They had basically followed Christ, walked with Christ. They had heard Christ say that I'm going to die, but in three days I will raise again. So you would think that people who had followed Christ would be the first then to believe what he said. But they were not going to the tomb to find it empty. They were not going to the tomb to see the resurrected Christ. They were not going to the tomb because they expected to see a miracle. They were going to the tomb expecting to see a dead body wrapped in linen. They were going to the tomb to bring their spices and bring their perfumes. They were not going to the tomb to welcome the resurrected Lord. See, it is possible for you to be here this morning and to have a love for the historical Jesus, to acknowledge that he existed, to to even appreciate his role throughout history, but to not truly have faith and who he is. Again, their response was a response of love, compassion, and concern, but not a response of belief. See, there's people all across our country, all across this city, who value the historical teachings of Jesus. They view Christ as a great moral teacher. They view him and acknowledge that he was a significant contributor to history. Yet they do not believe in who he was, what he said, and in what he did. And that may be you this morning. You may have walked in this morning and your response to the resurrection is, I believe that Jesus existed. I believe that he was a great moral teacher. I believe that he was a great historical figure, but I do not truly believe that he is who he says he was or that he did what he said he would do. I mean, you may be just like these women in this first verse and you have a love for Jesus and appreciation for Jesus, but you lack faith in who he really is. What you need to understand this morning is simply believing in the historical Jesus does not bring about the forgiveness of sins. Simply believing that Jesus existed and that he was a great historical figure does not guarantee eternal life. Simply believing that Jesus did great things while he was on earth will not bring you an eternity in heaven with God. Those things are great, but they do not require faith. They do not require belief. And so ask yourself, is this your response? I mean, have you come in this morning with a love for Jesus and a compassion and an understanding of who he was But you really do not have the faith and the belief in who he says he was and what he did. That's the first response. Number two is the response of fear. I want to read starting in verse two. 
Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. That, that would be kind of a shocking experience, wouldn't it? You know, it's interesting that there was this earthquake up in verse 2, and the guards were so shaken from fear. It's actually those two words, earthquake and shaken with fear, actually come from the exact same word. It's almost like the guards had this inner earthquake taking place. Verse 5, but the angel told the woman, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been resurrected just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen. I have told you the fear that they had was from this angel coming down, this earthquake, this bright light, the guards that were so scared, they passed out. I mean, this would be a frightening scenario, a frightening situation. But the fear that you may be having and the fear that many people have is by looking at Christ, looking at the Bible, looking at Christianity and fearing to commit to it out of worry about how everyone else is going to respond. And so, I mean, maybe you look at it and it's kind of mystical. And so you want to stay away from it. And you look at it and say, well, you know what? This is going to take a lot of faith and people are going to think I'm crazy. So I want nothing to do with that faith, that Bible, that resurrection, that Christianity. And so you, you may be religious, but you, ha- you have fear in that you don't want to truly commit. You, your fear is holding you back. And there are people who have fear, a fear of how, what will people think if I tell them I'm a Christian? What will people think if I truly dedicate and commit my life to Christ? What will people think if I live out my faith publicly? It is possible to meet the resurrected Christ, hear of the resurrection. Your response is, you know what, I want nothing to do with it. It's a little strange, a little odd. I don't understand. I'm not quite sure how it can be true. I'm not sure I can defend it. So I'm just going to stay away from it. And you're afraid. It's the response of fear. Thirdly, and building on that, is the response of joy. Look at verse 8. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they, these women, ran to tell his disciples the news. Now, doesn't fear and great joy seem to be contradictory? I mean, when you read that they went from the tomb with fear and great joy, those things don't seem to go together. I mean, how is it that you can have fear and great joy? Or better yet, why did the guards not respond with great joy after they woke up. I mean, how, how is it possible to have fear and joy together? Well, the answer is that fear in this text was focused on the messenger. I mean, can you imagine being there? This angel comes from heaven. There's an earthquake. There's this bright light. The stone is rolled away. I mean, would you pass out? Got some honest ones down here. They're like, I would. There's the fear is focused on the messenger. The response of joy, though, is focused on the message. Look what the message was. Look back up with me, if you will, at verse verse 6. Here's the message that the messenger gave. He is not here, for he has been resurrected, just as he said. Verse 7, go tell the disciples, he has been raised from the dead. See, the response of fear is focused on the messenger. The, fo- the response of joy is focused on the message. And let me, let me say something very clearly this morning. The thing that brought these ladies joy was the message of the resurrection. And what you and I have to understand this morning is we cannot have true life-changing joy apart from a belief and an embrace of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, we live in a world where people are longing for joy. They're longing for happiness and they're searching for it everywhere. 
What you and I have to understand is the one thing that can truly bring you joy in your heart, in your mind, and in your life is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, your spouse cannot give you the joy that Christ can give you. Possessions cannot create joy. Power and position and success in this world cannot bring you lasting, life-changing joy. And if you're looking at all these other places to find joy, you will continually be disappointed. True, life-changing, real inner joy can only come from embracing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you reject the resurrection of Christ, you reject the joy that can come because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you're simply focusing on the messenger, yes, you may have fear. But if you are focusing on the message and you believe the message and you embrace the message, then you can have joy. Number four is the response of worship. Look at verse nine. Just then Jesus met them and said, good morning. You know, as I was reading this, isn't that kind of a shocking I mean, what would you expect Jesus to say? I, I, I would expect something maybe more than good morning. And I wonder how they responded. I wonder what they said. I mean, what would you say to you if Jesus just appeared after the resurrection and said, good morning? What would you say back? Yeah, exactly. Good morning. Or I mean, it, it's kind of a strange encounter. But notice how they did respond. We're not told exactly all that they say, but if you look at verse 9, then Jesus met them and said, good morning. They came up to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. See, when you truly have joy that comes through the resurrection, and you embrace the resurrection, you believe in the resurrection, you've, you've, you've accepted the Christ of the resurrection, you believed in the gospel that came by the resurrection, one of the things that will always happen is there will be the response of worship. So you may have come in this morning and you believe who Jesus is and you believe in the resurrection of Christ and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, understanding the significance of the death and the resurrection of Christ. Your response now is a response of worship and not just coming to a worship service. That's not what we're talking about. That's part of it. But living a life of worship is giving evidence of the fact that you believe in the resurrection. See, if you truly believe the resurrection of Christ and you've embraced the resurrection, the only valid response you can have is a response that says, I will live a life of worship. Why? Because you're acknowledging that he is risen. And as being the resurrected Christ, he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. And how do we respond to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? We do exactly what these women did. They fell at his feet and worshipped him. You know, one of the things that is challenging for many believers is we have a head knowledge of Christ. We have a head knowledge of the gospel. We have this head knowledge of the resurrection. But then we don't live that out. See, what Christ is calling, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, what Christ is calling you to do is to live a life of worship. See, that falling at Jesus' feet is not just an act of embracing his feet, but it is a symbol of submission. It is a symbol of surrender. It is honestly saying that, God, you, you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords, and so I fall down to worship you and I fall down to follow you and to do what you have told me to do. It's the response of worship. In fact, every Sunday we meet, we meet for the purpose of worship. So if you're a believer here this morning, understand this is now your responsibility. Because of the resurrection, you worship. 
Because of the resurrection, you surrender. Because of the resurrection, you submit. Because of the resurrection, you follow. Number five is the response of hope. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Literally, stop being afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So you have the disciples of Christ sitting off. They're not expecting the resurrection of Christ. Women come. How would you respond if you were one of those disciples? Mary comes in and says, we just met the resurrected Christ. And he said, go to Galilee and he will meet you there. How would you respond to that? I might think in part there would be this doubt. Yeah, right. But I also think deep down there's this sense of hope. I hope it's true. I, I, I hope Christ is risen. I hope this is I hope this is real. I hope this is not just a prank. I hope I hope we can see the resurrected Christ. I hope this is true. And let me just say that there are people as I talk with people inside the church and outside the church. One of the things that people are longing for so much is hope. I mean, so many people are in a life that sin seems hopeless and they're facing circumstances that seem hopeless and they're facing trials that seem hopeless and they've. I talk with a lot of people, and literally the words that come out of their mouth is, I feel like I've hit rock bottom. I need hope. And what you have to understand this morning is nothing can give you hope outside of Christ. True, life-changing hope is found because of the resurrection. Not too long ago, I read a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Hope. And on page 56 and 57 of that book, he told about an event that Rick Warren and Kay Warren went through, one of the most devastating times in their lives. They went through this devastating loss when their 27-year-old son, Matthew, took his own life after battling depression. And I remember reading that and thinking, how would I respond? I mean, tragedy. Life-altering tragedy. Tragedy. Broken heart. How would I respond to that? About a year after this tragedy, Rick Warren was asked, how have you made it? How have you kept going in your pain? And he replied, the answer is Easter. You see, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus happened over three days. Friday was the day of suffering, pain and agony. Saturday was the day of doubt, confusion, and misery. But Easter, that Sunday, was the day of hope, joy, and victory. Rick Warren went on to say that here's a fact of life. You will face these three days over and over and over in your life. And when you go through those life-altering, life-shaking circumstances and situations in your life, you're going to be asking certain questions. You're going to be asking three questions. One, how do I go through these days of pain? I mean, what do I do in these days of pain? How do I survive these days of pain and tragedy? Two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? And three, how do I get to the days of joy and Hope and victory. The answer, he says, is Easter. It's possible because of the resurrection of Christ. And listen, some of you are here this morning and you, in your mind, you have hit rock bottom. 
Everything that has gone wrong is going wrong. You're facing tragedy. You're facing heartache. You're facing loss. And what you are here this morning looking for and longing for is hope. And you're wondering, how can I survive? How can I make it through this day of suffering? How can I make it through the days of confusion and the days of doubt? How can I make it to those days of victory and hope? How can we how can we have that joy and understand the answer? I, I agree with Rick Warren 100 percent. The answer is Easter. The reason why you can have hope and joy in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of circumstances where it seems that everything has gone wrong is because of the resurrection. See, the resurrection says that there is something beyond this life. The resurrection says there is a hope for eternity. The resurrection says there is more than just the pain that I'm going through right now. If Christ is risen, then it changes everything. It gives us an eternity to look forward to. And what some of you this morning are looking for is that hope that is tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what I want to say very plainly and very clearly is this. You cannot have true hope and true joy in life's worst kinds of circumstances unless you truly believe and embrace the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if you take the resurrection of Jesus Christ away, you do not have hope. You take the resurrection away, you do not have Christianity. You take the resurrection away, there is no gospel. You take resurrection away, there is no eternity. You take that away, there is nothing but the here and the now. And the here and the now can be hard, can't it? The only thing that can give you the hope that you are so desperately longing for is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you reject the resurrection, you reject any possibility of having hope. When you reject the resurrection, you you reject any possibility of having true, lasting joy. The key is found. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is hope. Number six. Sixth response is a little baffling to me. And it's the refusal to believe. I want you to look at starting in verse 11. We didn't read this part of the passage earlier. But I'm going to read verse 11 through verse 15. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. And after the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. And if this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of any trouble. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among Jewish people to this day. These men were presented with evidence. They were presented with proof. Such significant proof that they felt the need to cover this up. How is it possible to see truth, to know truth, to recognize truth, and to reject truth? So I think the reality is some of you may be here this morning and you know who Jesus claimed to be. You know what Jesus claimed to do. You've read the evidence. You've seen the proof. You have witnessed lives dramatically changed that cannot be explained apart from the gospel and the part of Jesus Christ changing lives. You've seen all of that. You've witnessed all of that. But in your heart, you still reject it. In your mind, you still say no. I mean, why do people reject truth when they know it's truth? Romans chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that in our sinfulness, the Bible first of all says that we've all sinned. Everybody from the choir, right? No? (laughs) We'll talk after. No. 
everybody from the choir, me, all the way through, we've all sinned. But one of the things that we do in our sinfulness is we, we have this tendency to suppress truth. And you may be here this morning and you, you acknowledge the truthfulness of all of this. You've seen the proof. You've seen the evidence. I mean, you may even have people in your family whose lives have been dramatically changed as a result of the gospel to where you look at them and there's a point in time where what they once were is not who they are now. They've changed. Christ changed them. You've witnessed all that and you say, no, I don't want it. You're, you're kind of like these guards. You've seen the angel. You've experienced the earthquake. You've seen the stone rolled away, but yet you're not interested. If you're here this morning and your response when you came in is that you've had a refusal to believe, the encouraging news, and we'll talk about this again in just a moment, the encouraging news is your response can change this morning. You can come in refusing to believe and walking out a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You can come in refusing and rejecting the message of the resurrection and leave embracing the message of the resurrection. There is a tendency to refuse to believe. We have to determine in our minds this morning, that's not going to be our response. We have to embrace the reality of the resurrection. Number seven is the response of doubt. Verse 16 and verse 17. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped. But notice this next phrase. But some doubted. So again, this kind of blows my mind. Just think about it for a second. These disciples had traveled with Jesus, seen the miracles of Jesus, heard the teaching of Jesus, watched Jesus. They had seen everything from Christ. He had told them, in three days I will rise. They now were face to face with the risen Christ. Some worshipped, but some doubted. You may be here this morning, and if you're honest, you doubt. Can I encourage you with something? We all doubt at times. Everybody goes through periods of doubt. and Everybody goes through periods of time where they're not sure. Even the disciples who followed Christ and saw the miracles of Christ and heard the teachings of Christ. When they saw him, they doubted. Thomas, who's known as who? Isn't it bad to have one thing go wrong? That's what everybody knows you for. Doubting Thomas when he saw Christ, he says, I will not believe unless I see and touch the nail prints. And so Jesus came out and he showed him his hands and his feet. You remember the response of Thomas? He fell on his face and he declared, my Lord and my God. See, whenever you are facing doubts, when you face doubts, there's two responses. You can run the opposite direction in your doubt, run from Christ, or you can run to Christ. Thomas, what we see is he goes to Christ and says, I will not believe unless you prove it to me. And Jesus says, okay, here I am. See, in your doubt, listen, it is common to doubt. It is normal to doubt. But in your doubt, let me challenge you, run to the person of Christ. Run to the feet of Christ. Run to the cross. Go to him saying, Lord, I want to believe, but I'm unsure. I don't know if this is real, and I don't know if I'm just believing a lie. I don't know if I've been fooled into this. God, I want to believe, but I'm not sure. I, I'm doubting right now. You may have come in this morning, and that is you. Run to Christ. I mean, what we see from these disciples is even though some of them doubted, they all went on to accomplish great things for God. Through the, the establishment of the early church, through the book of Acts, we're going to see some of this over the next few weeks. But in their doubt, they ran to Christ. And what characterized their lives was not necessarily their doubt, but their belief in spite of their doubt. Run to Christ. Let me give you the final one this morning. Obedience. The response of obedience 
Matthew 28, starting in verse number 18. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. For those of you who have accepted the message of Christ this morning, understand that in connection with the response of worship, there is the responsibility to respond in obedience. We're going to talk more about this great commission next week. But if you've accepted the resurrection, then the response you have is to worship and to obey. I read a article on a satire site. Any of you read satire sites? I find them hilarious. Um, but this one is on the site called The Onion. And here is the title of the article. The article is titled, World Death Rate Holding Steady at 100%. The World Health Organization, I'm going to read you a little bit of this article. Again, it's satire. The World Health Organization officials expressed disappointment Monday at the group's finding that despite the enormous efforts of doctors, rescue workers, and other medical professionals, worldwide global death rate remains constant at 100%. I was really hoping with all those new treatments, rescue helicopters, aerobics, TV shows, and all, everything else, that we would at least make a dent in it this year. Unfortunately, it would appear that the death rate remains constant and total. It's holding steady at 100%. Now, we know that. But here's the reality. When we understand that truth, then we have to ask the question, what's next? We have to. We have to ask the question, what is next? And you know what makes all the difference? The resurrection. Again, you may have come in this morning doubting. You can leave believing. You may, you may have come in this morning simply believing that Jesus is a great historical figure and a great teacher, but you can leave embracing and believing in the resurrection with a life that's been changed. You may have come in this morning and in your heart you've been refusing to believe despite all the evidence, but you can leave this morning embracing the evidence and have your heart transformed. However you came in this morning, you can leave changed. And the reason you can leave changed is because the resurrection is indeed true. You may have come in this morning longing and searching and needing hope. You can leave having found true hope in the resurrection. You may have walked through the doors this morning searching for joy and fulfillment. But you can leave this morning knowing that true joy comes from the person of Christ. You can leave changed. It's not me that does that. It's not just sitting in a service that does that. It's Christ who changes you. See, I don't know how God is speaking to you this morning. I don't know what your response is. Hopefully you've identified your response this morning. Hopefully you know your response when you came in. The question, though, is this. How does my response need to change? And the wonderful news is, is that when you run to Christ... He is willing, regardless of anything you've ever done, he's willing to accept you and to welcome you into his family. And we want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. We stand with me.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.